Come on, guys. I mean, we started this band because we love playing dragon tunes. We couldn't imagine playing anything else. What happened? Dude, I thought it'd be a goof. A goof? Chris, seriously, wouldn't you rather fail as yourself than succeed as some Bobby Pierce clone? Oh, yeah, well, Rob, maybe you can write me a song about why in the hell I would ever want to do that. All right, you're gone, man. Just go. Oh, man, has there ever been a more embarrassing way to get fired from your own band? Listen, man, all the talent in that band just left that room. You think you think the Third Eye Blind singer is gonna be gonna be the right the right front man for this? Look, man, he brought all those amplifiers and those cables. So. New cables, <laughs> new, new cables. That's what he. <laughs> he also brought that voice. <laughs> he also brought the voice. <laughs> hey, what's so fucking funny? Oh, sorry, Mark. So welcome back. This is episode seventy-five. Seventy-five. Of the Last Row podcast. This is, is like, like a, a milestone of some sort. Do they call that? Is that like an anniversary? Is like do they? Is that like a gem or something? Some like, type of some type of anniversary. I don't know, I don't know what married, it is. You're married like twenty-five <laughs> years. Like what is it? I have no. I haven't been is married seventy-five is, years. Is fifty silver or is a hundred silver? It's probably is it, some. Is it the bronze? It's something I never thought we'd ever get to. <laughs> let me say that. <laughs> if you're looking for our website, thelastrowpodcast.com, on Twitter at thelastrowpod, Facebook.com/slash thelastrowpod. Spotify, Apple Podcast. I think we got another five star review. Thank you to whoever left that. I really appreciate it. So does Badway. Um, yeah, this is well, like more in my mouth, but you this know, is, <laughs> this is like our hamster style 3.0. Like this is another one that we've been talking about doing here for quite a while, yeah. but we just kind of didn't do it, and here we are, man. Here yeah, we are. I mean, we love this movie so much uh, that it was almost impossible to do, but here we are. The movie is Rockstar, Drew, 2001 Mark Wahlberg film, <laughs> a drama slash musical slash metal movie. It is a metal movie. Metal God. Metal God. Directed by Stephen Herrick. IMDb 6.3 out of 10. Too low. Yeah, too low. Rotten <laughs> 53%. Too low. Yeah, too low. Metacritic 54. Way too low. Uh, too low. What are they doing? Come on. <laughs> What are they doing? It's too low, man. Way too low. A wannabe rock star who fronts a Pennsylvania-based tribute band is devastated when his bandmates kick him out of the group he founded. Things begin to look up for Izzy. Crizzy. Crizzy? 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 <laughs> call me Crizzy. You call me Crizzy. <laughs> when he's asked to join Steel Dragon, <laughs> the heavy metal rockers he had been imitating for so long. This film is loosely based on the true story of the band Judas Priest. Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of like hints at Judas Priest throughout this. Rob Halford's outfit when he's at the audition. There's other things. And, and I think Judas Priest was consulted. There's a funny quote on IMDb. I won't even go into it. Mm-hmm. But it's someone from Judas Priest that basically said they were asked to consult and then they weren't consulted. And he basically <laughs> gave a very backhanded compliment at the movie. He's like, it was all right, but I don't think I'd watch it yeah. again. Yeah. Something like that. Did you see Clooney as the executive producer on this too, yeah, by the way? I mean, uh, yeah, this had to have been like the beginning of when he started dabbling in like producing movies or getting into filmmaking as a, uh, other than being an actor, right? I, I think it was, I forgot what the name of his production company was, but I, you know, I've seen this movie a lot yeah. of times and that was the first time I noticed his name on there. As dumb yeah. as it is for me to admit that, I never knew. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're, watching, we're not watching it for Clooney, but uh, the director, Stephen Herrick, um, not well known name wise, but I'll tell you a couple of movies that he did. What else is on his his resume? Bill and Ted, he directed Ooh. Bill and Ted, and he directed the, the Mighty Ducks. All right, I'm and good with that. Mr. Holland's Opus. That's a great movie. 
great it's good, movie. Uh, it's pretty good. And then he then he did Rockstar, and then it kind of went downhill from there, Drew. <laughs> what's what's his latest? <laughs> uh, let's see. He's up, he's directing episodes of MacGyver. All right, all right. <laughs> hey man, network TV's got you got a hired guns. Yeah, that's about <laughs> hired it. Guns. That's, that's, that's about it, Drew. That's 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 all he's got. You know oh, what? He, he directed Into the Blue Two: Colon the Reef back in two thousand nine. <laughs> great. That's a great colon. That's a great colon. That's a great colon. <laughs> you know what is great, though? What also is great? The freaking tagline for this movie, man. Oh. Best one that we've got so far. I'm going to go out on a limb really? and just say that. Really? The tagline for this movie, the story of a wannabe who got to be. <laughs> Come on, man. Go ahead, man. Put it on the poster. Slap put, it up. Flip it out. Put that Get like on my tombstone. I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The story of a wannabe who got to me. All right. Put that, put that on my tombstone, man. Beloved father, screw that. Beloved husband, get out of here. He was a wannabe who got to me. What about the financials for this? Now, this critically, I mean, financially and critically, I guess it was a flop. It was yeah. $57 million. I don't really know if that was good or bad. You know, I know my my gauge for this is kind of off, I guess. But it only had a cumulative return of about twenty million. Yeah, and uh, you know, I saw that seventeen of the nineteen million was domestic. Really? <laughs> so this this thing did nothing overseas. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Nobody cared. Why? Nobody cared because it's like I guess you have Mark Wahlberg, and in yeah. two thousand one, Mark Wahlberg wasn't really that big of a star. Jennifer Aniston though was like peak famous there, wasn't she? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's but like still. coming right off of Friends, but it's... you know, TV shows versus movies—it's a different, it's a different animal. But I will say that this was released on September seventh, two thousand one. Right. The timing. So is I, not I great. feel like there's a lot of movies that kind of got, you know, I would say railroaded by yeah, the events of the time, by the I mean, events of the time, and it kind of put a damper on movie going pretty much for that whole month plus. Yeah, I would say. I, I saw this in the theater. I remember seeing it. I don't remember if I saw it on release day, but I saw it while it was out. And I remember being there and like seeing this movie in the theater was a great way to watch it because the music, we'll get into that. Man. But imagine that on, you know, a, a theater sound system, you know, oh, it's man. pretty yeah. good. G Louse for sure. It was pretty good. So I, one thing I'll, I'll say this, we're kind of going to talk about some of the characters, but Brad Pitt was initially signed on to play this lead role. I don't know if this had anything to do with him and Jennifer Aniston's relationship because weren't they married at this time? I think. I mean, uh, I don't. Is that I don't why get she into, was attached? I don't get into the People Magazine aspect of the I don't world, know, man. the Hollywood world. You're not on Us Weekly. Come yeah, on, but let's 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 assume that they were. Right? So would it? I'll Maybe ask that's you. A, is that a wild rumor? Just because Aniston's attached? No, I think it was it was like an actual thing. Was it's it on thing? Wikipedia. It's oh. on IMDb. It's it's pretty well. I don't know what the source is, but mm. it was well known that I guess Brad Pitt was initially signed on to do this. And he left due to creative differences. And then Wahlberg was hired. Let me go out on a limb and just say this. I don't think this movie would have been as good with Brad Pitt as the lead. And no. I know that's blasphemous because Brad Pitt is obviously a very, very good actor. No. Yeah. And plus, you know what? Brad Pitt looks eternally 35 to me. He does. Even when he was younger. Right. So this role needed kind of a baby face. And, and I know Mark Wahlberg doesn't look like the youngest person ever, but he at least has that clean shaven, clean cut. Yeah. Put the long hair on him, it really kind of made him look younger. I think the look of the role was definitely more suited to Wahlberg than a Brad Pitt would. Well, let's talk about Chris Cole. We'll start this whole thing with Chris Cole. So he, Mark Wahlberg plays a character named Chris Cole, who's this 
dude who's looking up to his famous favorite band ever. He's the lead singer of this tribute band. You know, not a, obviously not a, uh, not a, not a cover band. Not a yeah, cover not band. a cover band, a tribute, a tribute band. band. And the first time I saw this movie was the first time I really understood the difference between mm-hmm. cover band and tribute band. <laughs> they only play the tunes of the band yeah. that they are tributing mm-hmm. to. Yeah. As opposed to other other music, cover but, bands get you in the room just so you can play your crappy originals. Yeah, and I'll I'll say about about you know Brad Pitt versus Mark Wahlberg. I just I think Wahlberg was perfectly cast in this role, and he plays kind of like a dorky but sort of cool guy who's like obsessed with this band. And I I honestly say he nailed it, man. He nailed it. Did like, you he nailed this role? So you got sort of cool out of him. A little bit. I Not got, when he was got, fixing got, the printer. I got no cool out of him, Drew. You got no cool? He was, he was a dork from, from scene one. I mean, I mean he was But, but a lovable of. dork. Uh, a bit of a baby. A bit of a, a bit of a little bitch. But... <laughs> that's one way to no, put it. No cool. So but you didn't okay. like him? But it, Did you like him? I, I liked him, but he's definitely a psychopath. Tell, yeah, tell me, tell me more about what you think about him and his life, his obsession yeah. with the band. Like, what's your take on him, Chris Cole? What's your, well, he, not Wahlberg, Chris Cole. Well, he's a man-child, first and foremost. He's a man-child who doesn't have his own identity. Got the tidy whities li- Yeah, who's living the life he was born to live. Cue the riff. Sorry. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be very confused if they're not like well-versed in the Steel Dragon songs. I'm going to post, for what it's worth, if you're not following us on Twitter right now, go on there, at at The Last Pod. If you're not following us on Instagram, at The Last Pod, we're going to post a whole bunch of stuff from this movie so you know what we're talking about if you haven't seen it. It's also on Amazon Prime, I think, right now, so go watch it. Yeah, and HBO Max. Um, so yeah, he's a man child living, you know, he's, he's a grown adult baby, baby man living in his parents' home. That's kind of like a foster house slash daycare. There's a bunch of little kids running around. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Did you think Um, he was adopted? No, I just thought that like, it was strange that they had like 7,000 kids, but I (laughs) I guess it's a daycare. I think the mom runs a daycare. I think parents run a daycare. Yeah. So yeah, he's a, what is he? A printer, printer, Salesman, by is he a tech guy? I is think he, he works at the tech office. Support? Tech support at an He's office. He's like tech support. He's yeah. fixing people's by day, printers. Tribute band for Steel Dragon, the biggest metal band in the world at that point in time by night. And he's basically a guy who has no identity, who's trying to emulate the lead singer, Bobby Beers, of Steel Dragon. Great name. A, a guy that he doesn't really know other than what he sees on posters and magazines and concerts, right? Yeah. But I mean... Have you ever done any of this in your life? Like, is there ever been something that you idolized? Not maybe to the degree that he did. Was I ever in a tribute band? Were you, were you ever in a tribute fan? <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I had a Penny Hardaway jersey on. I used to slap go. it on all the time. I didn't think I was Penny Hardaway. <laughs> did you want to be him? Did you want to be him? Sure. Why? I mean, why wouldn't I? Of course. But I, I didn't. I didn't strive. I didn't. I didn't strive to become him. It was you didn't more know a, every detail of his life. No, it was more of a wish thing than a, like an actual. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna get to work trying to. You know, be everything I can to be Penny Hardaway. No. What What did you think of his families? Because his brother, Penny's? his brother, Penny no, <laughs> Chris Cole, <laughs> Chris Cole. Uh, you're gonna give me all the details of Penny Hardaway's family. So he says he doesn't know, but but no, Chris Cole's family. So his brother's a cop. Yeah. I like the fake out with his thinking he got arrested when his mm-hmm. brother came in to wrestle him in the room. But yeah. His brother's a cop. His parents are running this daycare. His parents are kind of awesome in yeah. a way. Yeah, totally supportive of of this loser's uh, going, <laughs> nowhere, going nowhere lifestyle, right? <laughs> I, side, I side with man. the brother. I side with the brother as as much of a dick <laughs> as he is. 
Your brother listens to Air Supply. What are you going to talk about, man? Yeah, he's lame. <laughs> as lame as Mark Wahlberg is, his brother's even more lame. I liked, I liked the dynamic. It reminded me a lot of Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Girl Next Door in Just Friends. Like the dynamic between the brothers. Like, mom! Like yeah. they were calling for their mom yeah. and they're like in their 30s. Clearly. Yeah, just fighting each other. Yeah, totally. But his dad, like his dad was cool. You know, we talk a lot about bad fathers on this podcast. Yeah. You mentioned the bad father barometer a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's the opposite of that. No, his dad was talking about here. dragon music. He clearly yeah. knows. Yeah. Like his parents are very supportive of his lifestyle. Yeah. Maybe you could argue it's bad. I don't know. It's the, They probably realize, just like his girlfriend, that he has talent, right? Yeah. As like warped as his like mind is of like his identity crisis, he's obviously talented. Great singer. He's got pipes, Drew. He's got oh, fantastic it, pipes. I mean, his voice sounds like he should be in a band called Steelheart for, for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, let's talk a little bit about this tribute band that he's in. So he's got, he's living in his parents' house. He's working at this office job. You mentioned he's in this tribute band. The tribute band is called Blood Pollution, which is one of the Steel Dragon songs. Is that a thing for tribute bands? Like you're supposed to have the name of a song or an aspect of the band? Is that like a rule or an unwritten rule yeah, about a I tribute like band? It's got to be a total unwritten rule that the name of the band has to be either a song or a lyric. It's like a tribute to the yeah. band, right? Yeah, Hence right. the tribute band. Yeah. I'm imagining like a blood sacrifice here, like <laughs> just like a tribute to the we band. We pay tribute. <laughs> so does he think, you know, does he take this too seriously in your opinion? Because he's, he's pretty, he's pretty into it. I'm spitting on the mic, Drew. I'm spitting on the mic. Yeah. He takes it way too seriously to the point where he's bossing the band around, fighting with the band, not letting the band take creative liberties and AKA have fun with playing yeah. the music. Like how many, how many concerts do you think they've gone through already? where he's demanding perfection. You think they'd want to like mix it up a little bit, throw a squealy where there is no squealy, you know, do a little <laughs> extra riffage, add a solo or two, you know? I but mean, no. it's, it's, it's a valid point. I can, so I will ask you, like, do you think that he has a point and does his demand for perfection get him to where he is? It's sort of like Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady uh, is like getting mad at the, at the guys for not doing stuff in practice, right? It's like, oh man, we're talking about practice. What are you talking about? But like, is he the Tom Brady of metal bands? Like he's I guess you're just right. this guy yeah. that comes out of nowhere. But like he's the only one that that knows that they're playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? But but they aren't, but like, you know, in his mind they are. He's because, trying to get there. Yeah. Any day they're gonna, you know, Steel Steel Dragons are gonna come calling, right? You know. It just so <laughs> happens they actually did, but like that was <laughs> they actually total did. total luck. But like 999,999 times out of a million. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere just playing exact copies of other people's it's songs. Fair. But I mean, think about... You're not going to get anywhere, you know, yourself. Yeah. But I mean, think about exactly what happened. If he wasn't given 110% at that concert and that those girls with the shoulder cam that were yeah. taping directly to like the VHS tape... <laughs> If they didn't capture his perfection and he was doing whatever, I mean, actually, maybe it wasn't perfection because they got into the fight on stage. Mm-hmm. He would have never maybe made it. Yeah, I don't know. You, you talk about Tom Brady, though. Would Tom Brady have won any Super Bowls if Drew Bledsoe hadn't gotten concussed? That's true. That's you know? true. So, so it, it took Bobby Beers quitting the band or, or that, getting fired from the band. 
to even have that phone call. Otherwise, he would have been a joke in Pittsburgh the rest of his uh, – all of a sudden, he's 40 years old, still living in his parents' house. And then maybe he'd get kicked out. That's 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 a fair point. That's no, a fair point. He wasn't going anywhere. He's a great singer, but he has no motivation to write his own songs, Drew. He's too afraid. Let's talk a little bit about his bandmates because Tim Oliphant, obviously one of the best that we talk about on this show. He, he's a, he's a, a favorite of ours. I forgot what episode we did, but go back, listen to it. Girl Next Door. He plays episode a perfect 16, character there. Drew. 16? Episode 16, The Girl Next Door, lastrowpodcast.com. I love Tim Oliphant in this movie, even though he's probably total screen time of what, 10 minutes? 10 minutes max, max, max 10 <laughs> like, minutes. He's he has some such great a lines. Great character. Great lines. Great facial expressions. The master of the facial expression, but yeah. he plays, I guess it's the rhythm guitarist. He's the rhythm guitarist. I, I, got, in the, the band. I got the sense that Kurt Cuddy is the lead guitarist here. Even though Zach Wilde to us is a lead guitarist, he's got the charisma, he's like out in front. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Kirk Cuddy's a lead guitarist. I don't know, man. Zach Wilde's out there doing all the solos. Kirk Cuddy's just standing there like a statue. No, Cuddy, was, Cuddy was playing solos in, in the gig where they fight on stage. They fight because he's not playing the solo right. Well, you're talking about you're talking about Tim Oliphant, the, the Cuddy, the Cuddy yeah. impersonator, you mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I, he he might have played the solo, but I didn't think it was him to play the solo. That's why Wahlberg got mad. But maybe maybe I'm just misinterpreting. No, it. no, no, no. He he was supposed to play the solo. He just wasn't playing it to All perfection. Right. Fair as, as is on the tape. Maybe they're like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like it's Avenged Sevenfold where you got two lead guitarists yeah. there and you got the uh, dueling guitars. But you think about it when he when he unplugs his amp, it's just the bass line playing during the solo. Well, let me ask you and, this and the rhythm. And you brought this up. You you hit the nail on the head here. Did he take it too seriously? And what would you have done? Because obviously there was this fight on stage. And if you haven't seen this movie, you're probably not going to know what the hell we're talking about. But basically, we'll set the scene up for you. Mark Wahlberg is obviously taking this way too seriously. And as Batway said, Tim Oliphant takes a little bit of liberties with the with the solo, and He's trying it to have goes a good time. all down. He's just trying like, to have a good time. Unplugging your dude's amp on stage. He's ruining the gig himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's let me ruining ask, the music. Let me ask you this. What's worse <laughs> to not play the song to perfection, but still play it kind of good or to just completely cut the guitar out of the song? I mean, <laughs> and, I can tell in you Wahlberg's what Wahlberg eyes, I'm talking about in the perfectionist's eyes. Is it better to have no guitar or half perfect guitar? I think no guitar because there's no mistakes. It's just nothing. There's nothing. Like, but it's a, it's an omission. It's well, a complete like omission, said, right? Like, yeah. don't ruin my performance. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to ruin yours. Don't ruin mine. Like, he'd rather hear silence than than blasphemy. Like, yeah. it's blasphemy yeah. in his eyes. Silence, like he's, silence over blasphemy. He, he's yeah. ruining the song. Like, it's not perfection. Yeah. And you know, you. And what's actually cool is in this band. So everyone in this movie is actually some some type of rocker from something except for Tim Oliphant and Dominic West. But you had the drummer of blood, blood pollution, which is this tribute band that he's in is a guy from slaughter. Then the guitarist is the other guitarist from black label society. Then you've got the bassist who's the singer from the verve pipe. Then you've got mm-hmm. the replacement singer, which we'll get to in a second. Steven Jenkins. Bradley. Who's Bradley? Who's the third eye blind singer? Which is cool. They got yeah. a bunch of people yeah. in this movie. People that, are in this movie, yeah. Industry industry professionals, man. And you wouldn't really know who they are, but for the most part, they all looked like they knew what they were doing, except for yeah. Tim Oliphant and 
yeah, Dominic think, West. Yeah, stage presence is a big thing for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I, all I these guys good. look good. Yeah. It's better to have you know they don't have to act right. They don't. They just have to like be in the movie. They have like almost no lines. All these people. Right? Yeah. So. I mean, and and it, we can't leave this section without talking about Jennifer Aniston, who's his girlfriend slash band manager. Mm. What do you think about her role in the movie? Maybe her as an actress. Like, I thought she was pretty good. Yeah. But what do you think of the character? And and was she? Did you think she was the manager first? Like, what was your take on her? Yeah. So I don't know. I've probably seen this movie at least ten times. I have a problem. I know this. It's bad. <laughs> sounds like it, it sounds like a good thing to me. You've seen yeah. this movie ten times. You and I might have most views ever for this movie. I mean, I'd love to see if someone else saw this more We're than the a dozen top times. fans on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, for sure. <laughs> five, five out of five. Yeah. But every time I see this movie, I get more and more impressed by her her performance. Like she's the best actor in the movie, actress or whatever. Yeah, right. Like she did a great job. It's a very, very believable job of you know from the beginning to, you know, leading this guy whose life is going nowhere, but he has super talent and he, and she loves him all the way to the point where he gets instant fame. She's with them to the point where she realizes this isn't for her. Like she, very, she, she emotes all these emotions very well. <laughs> she hung on there pretty well. I mean, we'll get to the later part of the movie in a, in a second, but I thought she hung in there for probably longer than, than most people mm. would. I mean, she was in that car with the the wives and and girlfriends, yeah. and it was miserable. But she yeah. stuck with that for quite a long time there for him. So, but yeah, like as the band manager, um, she seemed to be doing a pretty good job, like keeping everybody in check, making sure the underwear is cut out when uh, you know, when you're wearing leather, you can't wear underwear leather pants. You can't but, do it. Well, I, I, I never, you, I don't wear underwear on my leather pants. See, I think you need to wear underwear and leather pants no. because could you imagine the swamp no. ass you're going to yeah, get? Yeah, but the waistline, it's about the look. You got to be uncomfortable. It doesn't, well, you just, you're already wearing leather pants. It's uncomfortable. But can't you wear like low cut underwear or some uh, type like of a, thing? Like a man thong? Like leather does like, not want? breathe. Let me tell you, <laughs> like leather does not breathe. Do you want that like okay. ass sweat right. on there? <laughs> what if there was an underwear where... The the waistband starts at the shaft. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not talking about drooping regular size underwear. I'm talking underwear cut specifically. So it hugs the top of the shaft area. So half and of like, your butt crack So is half out? your butt crack is showing. So as to give off the illusion that you're not wearing underwear. You know what that like, is? It's the equivalent of those socks, the yeah, no-show socks. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the no-show socks, no-show underwear for men. So, so it's like a, it's like a box, it's like, it's like a, um, a boxer brief style. So yeah. it's like, you don't get the, the sweat buildup, but you get some, but, but it, not the, it has the illusion that you're not wearing underwear at all. So you can wear the other pants and have the cool cut. Cause some of those socks, you've seen those socks where it's basically on your toe. Like it's a toe yeah, sock. Yeah, it's not, right. it's not even on your heel at that point. Yeah. It's like the smallest but, thing ever. But you got to show like those, they're showing, they're not wearing shirts, Drew, when they're, well, you know, they, they have leather jackets on, but no shirt. Yeah. So you like when you're wearing leather pants with the low cutoff, you got to show the V. You know what I'm talking about? The pelvis. Oh, yeah, v. you get the yeah, V. You have to show the V. You got the V. Yeah. Well, I think another some reason why. Some call them Wahlberg... sex lines, Drew. I don't know where you come from. If you call <laughs> some them sex some lines. would call that. <laughs> some would call that that. I, I think Wahlberg was cast in this movie specifically for his abs because yeah. the character had the leather jacket with no shirt on underneath <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. And he had, he was ripped. I mean, Wahlberg's obviously famously known for being ripped. Yeah. And I wonder sure. if, you know, another actor was 
the actor for this, would they have had the same outfit or was it designed around him? Yeah. But I'm still going on the record by, look, I don't own leather pants. I've never worn them, but I cannot imagine that wearing like those with no underwear is not going to be just Tell making them. you feel like you're swimming yeah. in those. I'm telling you, man, my invention, what do they call them? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, <that> <laughs> nasty. <laughs> so what do you think of like the, the getting back to the, to the bands here? What do you think of the, rivalry between blood pollution and black babylon which is that other band can i tell you right off the bat black babylon terrible name they're pretty bad terrible name we don't get to hear black babylon what the song sounds like we we hear it referenced a few times is it's his it's mark it's uh mark Wahlberg's dad's favorite song in the movie it's the unicorn of the movie i wish yeah. i could hear that song yeah. but i think they should go on with wasted generation drew as wasted as, generation as, as, a band name. as a band name is perfection yeah it's perfection. It's so good, and they really missed an opportunity there. And blood, I, blood pollution, obviously, they they must have wanted blood pollution, but it was taken already. That's, I mean, that's a great name too. No, but a, I think you actually, would argue, wrong. wasted generation is a better name. Might than be. That. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to wear it out and try a little bit. You know. Let's talk a little bit about the band that they're tributing. Right. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit about his <laughs> the tributing the, too. The tribute, the tribute tees, or the tributor, the tributors. All the blood sacrifice that they're <laughs> the blood pollution sacrifice that they're they're doing. Steel Dragon. Is there an equivalent of who this band is? You know, because this know, is man. obviously in the eighties. Like, who would you put them up against? So, is it like so the Ozzy? first, yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Judas Priest because it's, right. "Quote unquote" loosely based. I don't right. know how true that is. It doesn't is, sound like. Is them, it confirmed though. true? That, it's confirmed that, that, that it is based on Judas Priest. It's just something similar happened in Judas Judas yeah. Priest. There was somebody that they, when Rob Halford left the band, they had somebody yeah. come in there. But yeah. the voices are not the same. No, Obviously, but that doesn't matter. But I think maybe, but maybe like level of popularity. That's a that's a fair point. Yeah, that's a fair point. It could be them, but I, yeah. I think about like bands like Metallica. Like obviously, Metallica is uh-huh. bigger than them. I think Metallica obviously stood the test of time too. Not yeah. that Judas Priest hasn't, but mm-hmm. it's a different level. I think. Maybe, yeah, maybe Poison, maybe uh, Molly, like Crew. Molly Crew, maybe yeah, those types. Yep. I guess Rat. Even though yeah. C- like, Cuddy makes a joke about them, I don't want to call them hair metal because they're not hair metal. They're sort of like, I, yeah, you're right. It's not hair. It's metal. almost like generic. Like it's like. Not generic, but it's like rock and roll metal. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's arena. It's arena. Metal. It's arena rock. It's like arena, arena, but it's arena not. Metal. It's not arena rock because arena rock is kind of bland sometimes. Yeah, arena metal. I mean, we could go through all the genres and yeah. subgenres of like industrial metal, <laughs> industrial. sludge metal, sludge. you know, competitive like, sheet metal. So the, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what we talk about when we're not podcasting. We We talk talk about different kinds of metal. Subgenres of metal. It's true. It's true. Sorry. Look at our I don't know what subgenre they are. (laughs) You're right, though. They are kind of generic. It's like arena metal because it's not really generic rock. It's like arena, but they're definitely metal. But what do you you think of them? I'm going to go on the record and say, this is one of the greatest fictional bands of all time, in my opinion. Dude, like, how do you, like, how do you even, like, begin to, like, we all die young, Drew. (laughs) <laughs> just they're they have hit after hit yeah. after hit and i get that they didn't test the time stand a test of time into the grunge era there like most of the bands from this yeah. era but their songs were like they were all hits they were all yeah. good every single as, song that we heard was awesome as, as pathetic as as mark Wahlberg's character is in this movie about like trying to be someone he's not uh i mean i get it i guess because it. it's, <laughs> it's this band they're trying to be steel dragon like i get it 
They're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and the interesting thing, so we joked about Wahlberg having the voice of Steelheart. There is actually, Wahlberg's singing voice in this movie is the front man from the band Steelheart. Bobby Beer's singing voice is the front man from Talisman, Yngwie Malmsteen. There's a, the drummer is ex-foreigner drummer. He's the son of the Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin drummer, Jason Uh-oh. Bottom. And then obviously Goad is Zach Wild, which I think if you're a fan of metal, you know who that yeah, is. You know who Zach Wild is. And then Jeff Pilson is the the base the bassist who's who's also a famous musician. I think he's from Dokken or Dokken. I always Dokken, pronounce yeah. that wrong. Dokken. It was Dokken. Um, yep. But but basically that that was the rundown of the band members. But I thought each one had a different personality, which I thought was kind of cool. And my favorite of all of them was was obviously Zach Wild because of his power stance and just oh, the hair, yeah. that mm-hmm. awesome tattoo of like mm-hmm. the spine of his arm but, was just awesome. But Drew, of the non-musicians, so you left out Kirk Cuddy. Yeah, Kirk Cuddy, who, sorry, I forgot who, to Who was mention. played by Dominic West, which by the yeah. way, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like neck deep in the wire right now. I've been watching yeah. the wire. And he's great. Just seeing Dominic West with a ridiculous wig on is just, it made me laugh for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hair so ridiculous. is ridiculous. And the funny thing is like, I was imagining that being your real hair. Yeah. And, you know, knowing how crazy these guys are, I mean, they're on a tour bus. They're drinking, smoking, snorting, shooting up probably, whatever they're doing. Man, they're, they're doing, doing it all, aren't stuff. they? Oh, geez. They're doing it a lot of stuff. Unless you're Bobby Beers, because he's yeah. in bed by 1130. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs, <laughs> I never touched stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, looking at it objectively, how do you keep your hair that nice? Is it a wig? I mean, he like, must have a he must have a hair guy or a hair cut, girl. I got mean, we to. got Cuddy. Got Cuddy obviously was was you know yeah. doing something yeah. right. That it was a it was a wig. It had to be a wig, right? It had <laughs> to have been a wig. Oh, psh, yeah. No I mean, we know the actor was wearing yeah. a wig, but yeah. I was just thinking, like, man, what a pain in your ass to have to take <laughs> care of that hair all the time. Like, but it looks so good, though. I mean, it's, it did. It was pretty. Whatever awesome. work it takes, it must be worth it. So I got two questions. Well, actually, two comments. First, about Kurt Cuddy. Before we move on, I love. I want and I love his little like jacket. Yeah. Like, what do you call that? His like his uniform that, he, think, that when he plays, it's like. I a- think- Tim Oliphant called it a cape, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like it's like it's, a robe, kind of. It's and a like, robe. Cape, yeah, it's a long coat. sleeve, like open shirt that goes down to his ankles with basically. like gloves. Yeah, and it's like I don't know what material it is. It looks very comfortable, like a cloth or like a. <laughs> I don't. I, it's probably not cotton. It's probably something more expensive. At first, I thought it was chainmail. It looked like it was supposed to be chainmail. I'm like, man, this guy looks. It like It might a, be part chainmail. Like the the arms might be. If not, I'm looking, thinking back on it. I have to look at it again. Go go on our Instagram and all these sites yeah. that I told you. We're yeah. gonna post some of these pictures because it's yeah. hard to describe like, it without you knowing what it looks like. Like if I could buy that for like I don't know five hundred dollars, I might you would wear that. I might. I might hey, buy man. it. Just the golden the closet. Yeah. I wish the golden closet didn't yeah. go out of business because yeah. I feel like that's the type of thing you could get on there. Yeah. Kirk Cuddy's like jacket, <laughs> trench coat, chainmail yeah. robe. It's I mean, absolutely ridiculous. I, I want to wear that thing. <laughs> it's like, but but speaking of that, right? You call it his uniform. Yeah. Is it is it weird to you that they wear the same exact thing every concert? Is that a, is that an eighties thing? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was because like, did go back Van Halen wear like no because no. Uh, no because uh, what's his name jeez uh, blanket on Eddie Van Halen no not him <laughs> <laughs> David Lee Roth you asshole <laughs> man what's that guy on Van Halen's name 
you know, the famous one, Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's like 3 a.m. right now. And it's like 7 a.m. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen. I'm, I'm pretty dumb, Drew, but I'm not that dumb. <laughs> no, but I but I feel bad for forgetting David Lee Roth's name for well, a it's minute. It's not Sammy Hagar, but. Not it's... Hagar. Van Hagar. Van Hagar. No, because uh, David Lee Roth, he wore different ridiculous jumpsuits every concert. So he was wearing the same thing. Like, yeah, I don't think probably very few, if any, bands had like a standard uniform. Well, it's like, you know, the Nickelodeon Doug Funny. You open the closet and he's got yeah. the same outfit yeah. every, like, yeah. I don't know, unless they just never change and they just smell like hell. They <laughs> never change their outfit. But they so. did because at the night they wore like suits and stuff when they went to the went to the club. Like, maybe they literally just have one outfit. Yeah, it's, it's not like they're wearing that stuff on the town, Drew. I mean, it's full I get documented. that it's like their signature thing, yeah. and, it, and it makes sense that that's the case. I like it. But I, I, I like it, though. Like, it, be, it, if yeah. more bands did that, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool gimmick. I, I was wondering that the whole time we were watching it, I'm like, is it weird to you that they're wearing the same thing I kinda the liked whole it. time? No, I kind of liked it. At least you know what to yeah. expect. Like, yeah. it's... You're meeting your expectations. If they, if they didn't have those outfits, then like the tribute band, it'd be less fanatical because they wouldn't yeah. have to like, you know, dress like them and look That's like fair. them and spend a thousand dollars on a jacket that you think is some, uh, some father's drummer's drummer techs. <laughs> <Yeah>. Dad <laughs> sold it to you. Your dad got ripped off, man. I'm sorry to say, but your dad got ripped off. What what was your second question? You said you had a second oh, one. Oh, total, total non sequitur. Um, we were talking about the, the bus right the tour bus that the no wives are allowed on right yeah so but it's well implied that there's a lot of there's a lot of sexing going on in that bus like oh yeah is it Take just a black like, light to that bus is it is to. it just like one big orgy like i i there's very little privacy drew Amen. so like are they just banging all over the bus with everyone these guys, like what's going on here these guys have known each other for quite a while i'm sure that they're okay being <laughs> in the same room okay. in those in those moments oh but, so it's no big deal I would think it's a no big deal type of thing for them. Yeah. Not we gotta, for, yeah, because we, we, we got to look into the tour bus and there's like, there is no privacy. There's no private no, bedrooms. It's just one there's big just, room. There's one back room. Do they, do people take turns going in the back room? Probably. Ah. I mean, I think, well, they're all doing drugs back there, right? Yeah. And Wahlberg said he was going to get his own car at one point. But I think, you know, I, my guess is they're all back there together mm. is, is my guess. Yeah. Let's talk about their songs because- you listed out their songs in the notes, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but there's some good songs here. Tell, what, are, what is your take on this? Because the soundtrack for this movie is awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's awesome. So I broke it down to the six songs that are most well-known from this movie that they play a good chunk of in the movie. And I just want to get your take on, maybe if you want to rank them, or if one is not as good as the other, or if one doesn't belong, you let me know. So we got Living the Life, Great We song. All Die Young. Amazing song. Amazing song. Blood Pollution. Very good. Stand Up, parentheses, and Shout. <laughs> I, like, I like when a song does that. Yeah. Wasted Generation, parentheses, We Are. <laughs> so good. And Long Live Rock and Roll. So I have little notes of what I feel each song does well. And I want to see if you agree with me or not. Okay. And maybe if you don't agree, you can undercut it. All right. So living the life has the, the best riff of the entire grouping there. I believe I, would you you agree or disagree with that? I can't challenge you on that. There's some other really good riffs, but it probably is by and large the best riff. 
it's a getting somewhere riff. It's a it's going chugging, somewhere. Man. It's a chug a lug, getting somewhere, going somewhere riff. Put the hard hat on. He's doing you know, work. I don't know if this will play over airways, but it goes like a. <laughs> it reminds me of a Motley Crue riff. If, it's, if, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a moving riff. Yeah. Like it's it's going somewhere, like you said. Yeah. It's I agree a fast with that. song. Boom, boom, boom. We all die young. I think is not only the best song of the band, but it should be a monster radio hit. Smash. Well, and it's a it's crazy that it has it wasn't. And it, it well, is. the band Steelheart obviously made this song. Yeah. They they did make this song. I think it was ninety six or ninety five. Yeah. I forgot yep. the exact year. Why this was not bigger is beyond my understanding. This song is so good. It's such a ballad, man, and it it rocks. But it also moves you. Yeah. Like that audition scene, I got goosebumps, yeah. man. One of the best scenes in movie history. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I've seen this movie 30 times. You have too. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're biased, but you talk about we don't we don't normally swear on this podcast, Drew, but <laughs> I got should I get the hit beep button ready? He f-ing nailed that audition, Drew. <laughs> we all die young. Like I'd give him a job, any job, if he came in there with that kind of bravado, singing that song yeah. like that. He did. You know? He did. He nailed it. He absolutely nailed yeah. it. It was, I, it, 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 was, it was a goose pimply scene. You know, it might even bring a tear to your eye if you're in the right mood. <laughs> like, it's uh, the song, like, the lyrics are moving. It's just a well-written song. So that best overall song, but more specifically, best lyrics and best vocals. I definitely agree with that, yeah. 100%. I can't say anything yeah. different. Blood Pollution is just, I wrote overall, just nasty. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, the metal face. After it. You know, yeah. the metal face. It's like, it makes you get the metal face. You're like disgusted. Yeah. Give, like, me blood. It is. <laughs> Give me blood. It's Give so me good. Blood. We're talking blood pollution. <laughs> Come on. So good. I mean, they named their band after it. That's yeah. how good it is. Yeah. Stand up and shout. Which I believe, what's it? That's to me. That's track one. It's yeah. track one. You 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 open the, you open the you open the, the album with what's the? I don't up. I don't know if people know. I mean, we've talked. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but we have a theory in our in our friendship here mm-hmm. that if you're trying to listen to a new album, just go to track three. <laughs> like you listen <laughs> to a new you. album, whatever yeah. it is, track three is the one. It'll if that's not good, then move on. Know. Just move on. And if it's awesome, you're gonna love the whole album. So what's track three? And this and this and this one. So wait, let it's, me go back. We'll go. Let me do the last two, and then we'll right, go back to right. it. So, um, so anyway, I stand up as the best solo. It has other things going for it, but it has the best solo. I can't replicate that. It would just sound like nonsense through a microphone. <laughs> but trust, trust me on that. Wasted generation. I thought was the weakest. It's kind of generic. I disagree. disagree? I really, okay. really like that. I think it's. I think it's a great. I, I actually really like it a lot. Okay. I don't know. Totally it has a disagree. lot of like crowd callbacks, yeah, it's, and that's awesome to me. It has a call and response. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy, and you're you're the crowd. Okay, we are the wasted, wasted, generation. and it's like you got the back and forth is yeah. awesome. It's really good. So, I like it. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of generic, and then long live rock and roll, which I call it meat and potatoes. Yeah, and that's one step above generic. <laughs> to where it's like it's a it's a no nonsense rock song, it's there to get you going, but it's not breaking any new ground. I think it's good. I like that. song It's a good a song. No, I'm not trying to bash it at all. I'll I'll tell you what track three is. Track three, literally on the actual movie soundtrack. Yeah, 
is Wild Side by Motley Crue. So, so it's not that. <laughs> that doesn't tra- count. It doesn't count. Track We're only four, talking Steel Dragon songs. So I'll tell you. So track one is an Everclear song. Track two is a Steel Dragon Living the Life, which mm-hmm. makes sense because that would be like, to me, open opening. Yeah. But four, track actual track four on the album is We All Die Young. And I think that's track three. Yeah. See, I think that's track three. See, I don't think... See, We All Die Young is the... It breaks the rules of of track three being the best song because while I agree We All Die Young is the best song, it's not a track three song because All it's right. slower. It's a monster ballad, so it belongs like later in the album, like maybe out maybe maybe six. All right, six, <laughs> maybe even ten of a twelve track album. That's actually fair. Ten That's of twelve. Fair. That's where the monster ballad goes. It's either going to be six or ten. That's pretty good. So it's true. This is the folks. This is what you get. I mean, you guys don't know. <laughs> The type of you know the type of music we listen to. When, or, when you saw we were going to yeah. do Rockstar, I bet you yeah. didn't understand. You didn't think you were getting the breakdown yeah. of the. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what kind of music you guys thought we liked. Steel Dragon discography here. Yeah, we're we're totally into the Steel Dragon metal. Um, track three has got to be Blood Pollution for me. All right, of, I can I can album. get behind that. I can get behind yeah. it. So I can get behind it. Track one, stand up and shout. Track two, long live rock and roll. Track three, Blood Pollution. Yeah, I think that's if that, that could album. work for me. Yeah. I like your your theory about track ten of a twelve track yeah. album for we we <laughs> all gotta die be twelve young. tracks. Yeah, yeah, twelve. Yeah. Is, I think that would be maybe track ten. I'm I'm going yeah. with you on that. So mm-hmm. because you know the album's kind of like maybe track seven, eight, nine or lulls a little bit. Maybe yeah. an album's losing steam because maybe if you if you have filler, that's where you put it, and then you want to close strong. So then ten will be your ballad. Yeah. 11 is just another rockin' song, and then 12 is your is your epic finale. Well, I mean, and to be fair, we only really heard six of their songs of whatever they've been doing forever, mm-hmm. and what is it, six or seven? And and at the end of the day, we heard one sort of like new metal cut type kind of song <laughs> yeah. where he's like rap rocking, and, and when you listen to this, we don't know if these are all from the same album. You know, are these yeah. from Black Babylon? Are they not? Like, are they older? Are they carrying them along they from, as they do, go? Are they from Lubrication? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> the it, other it, album that they that they that they mentioned. Yeah, I don't know how many albums they have, but I got the impression that they've been around for quite a while here. Yeah. So, if this is one of their albums, these six songs, then I mean, come on, best album of all time. It's I mean, pretty good. What else is on that album, Drew? I need yeah. more. I need more. Well, they they sort of played ten to fifteen second clips of some yeah. songs and. I want more of it. I need, I need more. To know. I need more. And, and this is like a real life super group. When you look at all the people that actually wrote this music, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of people. If go on, go oh, on IMDb Dio, and see who wrote it. Dio, Dio wrote one. these songs. Um, Sammy it's, Hagar wrote one. I, yeah. I can't think of which ones. And and Wild was involved in some of these mm-hmm. too. Zach Wild. Like yeah. there's there's some actual like rock artists that wrote a lot of these these songs. One of the songs, um, the dude from Marilyn Manson. I think his name's Twiggy. Yeah, he wrote one of them. So yeah, there was a lot of talent that 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 was involved in in writing some. His name is probably not Twiggy. I don't know. I'm not a big Marilyn Manson <laughs> fan. I don't give a shit about Marilyn Manson. Scumbag. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I can't get behind it. The shirt has too much of a graphic on yeah. it. I can't. I mean, the guitarist is fine. Twiggy, Twinsy, whatever his name is. <laughs> Twiggy. Yeah, but <laughs> let's let's talk about Wahlberg. <laughs> We've gone on about Steel Dragon. Let's talk a little bit about Wahlberg, and and we'll kind of close out the back half of this year. But we've got. Wahlberg obviously is in this tribute band. He gets discovered as we talked about. I want to talk about his rise to fame because there's a couple key things here between his rise to fame and just the downfall of him. We, you mentioned that audition scene. I want to talk to you a little bit about meeting your hero mm. because 
Mark Wahlberg, Chris Cole, whoever you want to call him, right? We, we always have Chris-y. a problem on this show <laughs> of deciding if we want to call the, the characters by their names or their <laughs> real actor names. This happens uh, every episode. And probably people are like, what the hell? And it's so, not you. It's me. It's both of us. It's it's not just you. I'm going to call him Mark Wahlberg and maybe Krizzy, but we'll yeah, see. I like we'll Krizzy. See. I like Krizzy. We'll <laughs> you call me Krizzy. You call me Krizzy now. <laughs> As it goes along. <laughs> But he goes and he gets his shot. Like he gets a ticket out. He didn't believe that Kirk Cuddy was on the phone, which was hilarious to me. And like the dedication of him, he mm-hmm. sent his dog, his dog died and he sent him flowers. <laughs> I didn't get a response, but I figured you were busy. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I said he was kind of cool? Yeah. No. Take, that back. Take, it, take it back, please. But he goes to this audition. His world was shattered when mm. he thought he knew everything about Bobby Beers. And he yeah. finds out not only... You know, his Bobby Beers were, uh, you know, uh, uh, a wig. Yeah, his hair's fake. Yeah. He has a boyfriend, which yep. is different because he thought he was dating the girl in the band. Yep. He's got stand up and shout is about basically coming out, I think, mm-hmm. was like just very different than what he expected. Yeah. Like, how would you act yeah. if you watched basically your band, your yeah. favorite band of all time break up in front of you? Oh, it man. It wasn't First, break yeah. up, but. Yeah. But come, and with Bobby Beers being his hero, and it's not the fact that Bobby Beers is homosexual. That's not the issue. It's that he was emulating a guy who he had no idea who he was. Yeah. And it kind of like, I feel like he had this mind mind, mind blown, uh, like out of body experience, like right in front of him there. Well, because he, he thought he knew everything about yeah. this person. Yeah. And, and he, he was, was a super wrong. fan. He knew everything about Bobby Beers. And it turned out he knew nothing. Yeah. And well, the the thing that I liked, and it doesn't seem like Bobby Beers was a bad person. I think basically he wasn't playing along with these guys and I guess he was showing up late for gigs or whatever, but we don't know the real story. We don't really know. But like, why was he showing up late for gigs and missing gigs? I don't know. And then when he, and when he showed up, Drew, his attitude, his attitude, his his attitude, Drew. But can you blame him? Because maybe he wanted to have some creative control in the band and at the end of it. And then AC and Kirk write the songs. They say they write the songs and Bobby Beers obviously was very talented. They were able to replace him, you know, Mm -hmm. relatively easily, I guess. (laughs) Very easily. For at at least a tour. For at least one tour. But, you know. That whole scene to me was like, I kept thinking about what if I was in this guy's shoes? Yeah. And who, Chrissy? Yeah, Chrissy, yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. And you're just watching this this band that you thought you knew everything about just come crashing down in front yeah, of you like, and then having to do an audition. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you remember the, the, the documentary from Metallica, Some Kind of Monster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine if you were the biggest Metallica fan and then you were like, won a contest and you got to watch them. Yeah. Record, uh, what was it? Um, some kind of monster, Saint Anger, was, Saint Anger, Saint Anger the, was the, the album, was Saint the Anger. Album. and then like all it is is like, oh man, uh, James Hetfield's an alcoholic and they can't get along, and Lars <laughs> Kirk, is a real dick. Kirk <laughs> it's just like, like a nice yeah. guy, like, come on, guys, and let's like, get along, and like they're about to break up, and like, oh, and you're like, oh, sorry, okay, hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me win this contest, thanks for letting me in here. Should I go now? <laughs> exactly, so awkward, and yeah. but then, but then put yourself in his shoes, right biggest shot of your life he's got to go audition then he didn't even really know why he was coming out there they didn't know they didn't tell him no like what you what what would you have done would you have nailed it like if you had the talent could you have could he have put it all together well like he could have choked but like that's but that's what he was like you you talked about him being the uh, the tom brady phenomenon 
But like that's why he was so painstakingly perfect. Yeah, it was for Drew that Bledsoe moment. Got hurt, man. It, yeah, it was for that moment that was never going to come. But Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Bobby Beers gets kicked out, and yep. then you know he gets his chance. He gets put in. He wins yeah. the Super Bowl. It's it's crazy to me. What but, do you think of the whole audition itself? Because that scene, like you said yeah. earlier, was just an iconic. Oh yeah, iconic scene to me. It's the perfect song to like do it to, and then I like that he stumbled a few times. But my question to you is. How many times could he have stumbled through the beginning before they were like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You next. missed your cue, mate. Yeah. Like maybe one more time. Probably. Like, but he nailed he, it. He doesn't get five chances, does he? Like their, their faces as he screwed he's up twice. That, yeah. They knew though, man. They knew. No, they but, saw the talent. I know, but no, he screwed up twice though before he started yeah, fair going. Enough. So like how many times could he have screwed up? Like, you know how you're playing guitar and you don't know how to play guitar? <laughs> It's like you, you play two notes, you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. All right. And then you play three notes, you're like, oh, then, then you screw up. Like, wait, wait, wait a minute. And yeah. then you keep starting over because you can't play it. Like, how many times could he have, like, can we play from the top one more time? Like, <laughs> I feel like five and he would have been kicked out. I'm just imagining the famous Fred Durst guitar song <laughs> on, on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, oh, hold on a second, guys. I, I know how to do this. Like, <laughs> so obviously he, he wins this audition. He becomes the singer of his favorite band. You want the gig then? He's living life, man. He's living, living life. life. I was born to live. He was. I'm trying not to go plot by plot here, but it's hard not to for this. No, this is a this is a A equals B equals C kind of movie. There really are some major points, and the other big thing I want to talk to you a little bit before we talk about his downfall is just his debut as the singer. He's got to go oh, to his yeah. concert. I don't know how much time passed between when he won the gig and 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 basically when he had this this actual performance, but... I think it was like tops a few weeks. Walk me through what would be going through your mind because that's like a dream come true, right? He even gives the yeah. speech in the movie. Like, this is a dream come yeah. true, man. Like, he knows the set. Like, he knows he's got to go up the elevator and he's got to go down. Like, he was at the concert like a month ago. Did he even need to practice? He knew all the songs. Yeah. He knew the song. Like, he knew it. He knew, like, he knows all the mannerisms. But when you get up there and it's a sea of people versus, you know, a hundred people in a club, right? That's what you call, it just got real. Yeah. This is your moment. And then he falls. And if it were me, Drew, I would have just, <laughs> it's over. You're done. I would have I slunk out. You're like, <laughs> I would have slunk right out. Well, this was fun. See you guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, so I read something trivia about this. They filmed this in front of, I think 10,000 Metallica and Megadeth fans. So oh, yeah. it was like an actual concert. And when yeah. he fell, the audience didn't know that that was going to happen. So yeah. the reaction of the audience was actually real. Like they didn't know he was supposed to fall. Oh, and, that's awesome. Um, I, thought, I thought his recovery was awesome. Yeah. He, he, he nailed that gig, man. And then, and then he like, he did the, he did the line. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he did it with pain in his voice yeah. and it made it so much more real. Like it was great. It was like probably the best acting performance of Mark Wahlberg's career right there. What did you think of his way that he handled the Bobby Beers fans with, with the, the, the hose that he Were used? he pissed on them? Yeah, basically. Do you know? Do you know they blur that out when they play that movie on like VH1? Or Are you whatever? serious? They blur out the hose scene because it's like mimicking him peeing on them. Well, I, I always thought he, it was kind of funny. I liked it actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great move. Good harmless fun, Drew. Good harmless fun. So obviously, a lot of things happen between when he gives his first gig and he goes on tour. 
we don't have to get orgies, into all that. the orgy star. It gets weird between him and Jennifer Aniston. It's just weird, you yeah. know. And he he's starting to learn about this life that he's idolized for quite a while. He's he's we said it before. He's living the life he was born yeah. to live. And Jennifer Aniston is is tagging along with him throughout this this whole movie. You know, she's she's pretty good. Like the fact that she was going to deal with that, but obviously it's a tough situation. Like, did you feel like it was over between them the second he got famous? Yeah, it's like almost I, doomed to fail. Yeah, because she was not one of the other wives, right? She, Clearly. Yeah, I mean, she was like obviously a pretty savvy businesswoman. Yeah. She knew what she was doing with him, helping him manage his other band. She's not she, a she's not a bus tracer. She's not no, a bus chaser. She's she wasn't. Right. I mean, she definitely had more respect. Like they showed a lot of the groupies and the type of people that were chasing after the band, trying to hook up with them. There was a whole bunch of scenes with that. Yeah. But I felt like, man, this kind of sucks for them because he's got his dream. Yeah, it wasn't that they like, weren't meant to be, but yeah, you can't blame either one of them. It's like right, you can't blame him for following his dream, and you can't blame her for not wanting to live in the shadow of someone else's life. Right, right. And the more that the movie goes on, and you know, we get to kind of the start of his downfall, you start to see like this is not going to work out with them, and it, and mm. it sucks. It's like you almost feel bad in a way. Like I actually did kind of feel bad because it's like he's living his dream. She doesn't want him to not live his dream. She wants that mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. But it's just this life is not what he expected, where it really is. And he didn't take Bobby Beer's advice. He was not in bed by 11. No, he was not in bed by 11. He was not foregoing the drugs. He was touching the drugs. <laughs> he was not resting his voice or whatever Bobby Beer's told yeah. him to do. He was completely yeah. just knee deep in, in, in all of the drugs, yeah. in all of the sex, in all the everything that was going on. And it starts to fall apart. Like, where do you think it starts to fall apart for him? Is there a moment you could put it on? Probably the second she, she left. Yeah. Right? Like, he just went in this spiral. Yeah. I, and I think when you think about the real downfall, he obviously goes through this this tour. He's all completely strung out the whole time. Then they go on, like, a break, I guess, because it's the it's end like of the tour. It's like a two-month break. Yeah, a month or two. Some type of break. Yeah. He comes back to Kirk Cuddy's mansion, and he's got a backpack full of songs. He oh, finally man. decided to put his heart into writing something yeah. that, that came from himself instead of trying to sing these these cover cover band, right? He's in a cover band. He's still in a cover band. He it's is. It's just he's playing with the band. <laughs> he's covering <laughs> their songs yeah. for them. <laughs> for them, with them. <laughs> Which one thing I forgot to say earlier was when, after the first gig when he was so excited about it, he was like, it's amazing to hear the songs played to their perfection. <laughs> like, were they actually played to perfection? Because these guys, sometimes, like, they get so lazy, they're just like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know, man, that dr- drummer's got an IV in him. Like, yeah, I'm sure that he's... <laughs> getting dialysis. <laughs> I'm sure that he's not 100%. <laughs> but but he, he shows up to this mansion. He's got these these books, I guess, of, of art that he was trying to pitch yeah, to Yeah, he did cover art, which looked like a Led Zeppelin ripoff. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. He brought it up. Like was Cuddy was Cuddy like, oh that's cute. That's yeah, cute. that word is cute. He the smirk on his face said, "Oh, that's adorable. Look what he did." You know, was he offended that he wrote it? Was he just like, "Man, this guy doesn't get it." Like, what what was going through his head? Like, I I didn't I wasn't sure how to take it. Was he? Offended? Oh yeah, it, it's it's dismissal. It's total dismissal. And yeah, and just not taking him seriously. Like, look at this kid. He has no idea. And, and this is the moment I think where Wahlberg really realizes, like he showed up, he had a he had an eyebrow piercing. They were like, "Dude, mm-hmm. you got to clear that with us before you get that done," because <laughs> yeah. clearly it changed from the uniform. He's got to yeah. wear the uniform, mm-hmm. and 
you know, he's got these these songs. They didn't even listen to him. They basically threw it away. They said, AC and I write the songs. <laughs> at like, least Zach, Zach Wilde at least took it. <laughs> the other guy should like throw yeah, He reached garbage. his hand out and at least took it, you know. He was, he was going to, at least he, at least he's a nice guy about the it. The bassist too. The bassist yeah. was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, he's just trying to get along, man. He, yeah. He's the Kirk Hammett of the group. Yeah. <laughs> he's just he's like. He wants everybody to get along. Yeah, he didn't want to make any waves. I don't he know, He knew man. it was bullshit, but he wasn't going to say anything. I I kind of felt bad for him in that moment, but you could see it on yeah. his face. He knew like this mm-hmm. sucks. Like I'm still in a cover band. I'm st- yeah. I'm in I'm in a tribute band here. That's basically it's how it seemed like he felt. And then they made him sing some type of band. So, the riff was pretty nasty. I'll I'll give it to him. The, yeah. the riff for I, I the new song. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear where that song went. It was sort of rap rock, but did he invent new metal there? Sort of. Yeah, he kind of did. He starts rapping and changing the lyrics. Now the lyrics were bad to begin with. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kirk Cuddy. Not your best effort, but Wahlberg made it embarrassing and like almost like, you know, a mockery of the hip hop game. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty bad. No, I, I mean, maybe this is the beginning of the band's downfall mm. because I don't think that that was their best work. But this is definitely the beginning of the end. He starts to have this heart to heart with Matt's, who we didn't even talk about, but Matt's is underratedly one of the best characters in this whole movie. So, yeah, Matt's a scumbag. But he's but a he, lovable scumbag. He's a lovable scumbag. So can I can I like skip back way back since you brought yeah, Matt's up? I, I had a burning question about Matt's. So after Wahlberg's first gig, gig with the band, yeah, they're out with Jennifer Aniston and the parents, and everybody's out at the club, basically doing drugs, yeah, getting drunk, all that stuff. So there's a point where he walks up to Jennifer Aniston and goes, "Hey, listen, you know, it's all in good fun. We're all having a good time here." If you can have a good time too. Just let me know. Was he implying that she should get with him, or what? Or or did or did he take it? Did, was he saying, "I can get you whatever you want. Just come get me. Let me know." I think it was both. Actually, was he, I think it was, was he shooting a shot? <laughs> I think it was both because he he was taking a shot because why not? Yeah. And two, it was you know his job is to keep everybody happy, yeah. so he knew. That if she was unhappy, it might not go well for Mark Wahlberg's character. Yeah. So I think he was kind of letting him, letting her know at the time, like, hey, he's probably going to be off on the side doing stuff. And you can do it too. And, and, and why by, not try yeah. himself? I, I agree. I agree. And by the way, you know, when they were in Seattle and Jennifer yeah. Aniston came to visit Chrissy and like, that's <laughs> when she knew that he was a mess and, you know, he was oh, not, he was, he was not he was Chris anymore. It really was Matt's fault that he didn't remind Mark Wahlberg that they're in Seattle and he needs to meet his girlfriend. Yeah, it was, but... I know that he he half-heartedly blames him and then Jennifer Aniston yells at him for blaming Matt's, but honestly, it's Matt's fault. He's got to get on that. If you're the band manager, you got to He's got to be on top of of that. He has to be on top of that. It's true. It's true. But Wahlberg's also a scumbag for forgetting as well. Oh, yes. so strong. Clearly, clearly, but... He could have been sober had the band manager done his job. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, what do you think of the conversations? They have that heart-to-heart where, and this is towards the end of the movie, he clearly tells him a story about how he walked out on his... It was a girlfriend, I guess. It, 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 no, he was married. He was and married? the story is nuts. He walked well, out Tell the her. story. Tell the story, Drew. So he's basically at this restaurant. He's telling the story about how he had this this great wife. I thought for some reason it was it was a girlfriend, but I, I misremembered. No, he, he said, he tells him, you know, I was married once. He, That's he right. Said that. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. right. 
So he has a wife. He's at a restaurant and he goes to the bathroom and he tells her, I have to take a piss. And, and he goes to the bathroom and he's in the bathroom staring at the wall and he tells everybody that he's, he's thinking about his life and he's thinking about basically working a dead end job, just having the same thing every day. And I think his life flashed before his eyes. And in that moment, he walks out of the bathroom and he just walks out of the restaurant. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he, ne- <laughs> he never went Imagine. back. Imagine leaving someone like that. And, and you're married to them. And yeah. it's like one of the worst things you could possibly do. And this like, is in the 80s. There's no cell phones. There's yeah. nothing. Like, so he disappeared. You know what she did? She she probably put a missing persons out on him. Well, <laughs> She probably called the police. <laughs> She probably thought he died. It's pretty bad. Well, <laughs> until, and, and, until she saw him on MTV one day with Steel yeah, Dragon. Like, what's this guy doing over here? I mean, you know what? And and she traded up because she married his best friend. Yeah. He tells a story about how he she has a beautiful family now. She's got kids. Mm-hmm. Do you get the impression that he regretted it? Or he realized that it was the wrong way to do the right thing for now, him? He he I think the conversation started with Wahlberg saying he owes some guy named Rob in Pittsburgh an apology, which is Timothy Oliphant's character. And then he, and then Matt says everybody owes somebody an apology. That's life. And then he gets into the story about how he owed his wife an apology. But I, but I guess my point is, does he really think he owed her an apology, or is he kind of thinking like, again, maybe it was the wrong thing, the wrong way to do the right thing for him? Is kind of what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah. he he felt like you know maybe that life wasn't for him, and he doesn't yeah. regret it, or does he? Maybe there was a little regret in his voice there, but I think he he's he's uh he's past it. He's past it. Where yeah. He's like, oh, that's the this is the life I chose, and it, here we are. I mean, it, and it basically takes Chris Cole. Mark Wahlberg's character, Chrissy, yeah. whatever you want to call him, it takes him to the point where he walks off on stage mm-hmm. in the same way that that it happens to to him. Basically, he gives the he gives the the microphone to Thor, to which Miles, is Miles, Miles Kennedy, Kennedy, who's a famous famous yeah. musician, and the guy's like basically sings the concert. Let me ask you, <laughs> you go you go to see your favorite band of all time, like whatever. Let's yeah. say you go to see Metallica, yeah, and. James Hatfield just gives the mic and the guitar to some guy in the some audience. Some dude. Yeah. And says, here you go, dude. You, hey, man, get out there. Go give him hell. Not only some dude, away. some kid that looks like he's maybe 16. Yeah. He brings the thunder, man. That's why they call him Thor. I bring the thunder! <laughs> yeah! He, he did a good job. You could tell, like, he was doing well. But, yeah. like, what does the band think? Are they get? Do they... Do they stop the show? If I'm stopping the show if I'm Kirk Cuddy because this is bullshit. <laughs> it's done. Like, this is done? You're done. There's more damage that could be done by this kid screwing up the songs yeah. than by taking the chance of him getting it right. That's fair. And if you just walk off, you're just pissing off one town one time. Maybe you give refunds. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I, I mean, they show the behind the scenes or behind the music, like an MTV type thing. Mm. And, and all the bands all pissed off at him. And, you know, of course. Kirk Cuddy's pissed. He's basically saying we can live without him. Yeah. The bass or the, the drummer, the dude who's getting dialysis is like, he's dead to me. I don't care about him, whatever. Nobody really seems to care. Matt's just says he, he needs, he told me he needed to take a piss. I think he respected <laughs> so he, him. I think Matt's respected him. Yeah. Off you go. When he and said he, it. And he actually, he it was his him. fault. It was his fault for telling well, the story. I said that when I was watching the movie, I thought yeah. to myself, I'm like, man, does he regret telling him that story? Yeah. <laughs> like he just kind of probably does like torpedoed the band there. So, so his career's over. He's done. 
How much money do you think he made? Well, that's the thing. So if you look back on it, AC and and what's his name write all the songs. So he doesn't get writing credit. He didn't really record anything at that point. Maybe he recorded some of the new stuff. So I'm assuming he he got a signing bonus and he probably probably got got a percentage of the tour money, which is significant. Yeah. For that kind of band, yeah. Yeah, because they were they were selling out arenas. So I would say at most a mil. Probably. But, but maybe not even. I don't know. This is the 80s, so maybe you got to adjust for inflation now. But I, I don't know that he, he made that much. And, and then he walked 500K. away. Maybe 500K. And then, you know what? If he had a contract, they could have sued his ass for leaving. So maybe True. he actually... <laughs> maybe, True. Maybe he's bankrupt True. and that's why he's... Yeah. You know... Walk into Seattle there, because yep. <laughs> they they could have sued him for breach of contract. Probably. That's true. That's true. Maybe he they did. Could, maybe they, they could strip a signing bonus. Yeah, because you can't just walk away. And, and maybe maybe you just yeah you pay him just for work performed and that's it. And the signing bonus is gone. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, long story short, he he winds up in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he has a new band called Chris Cole and Band, and yeah, that's on the flyer. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> there's a, there's a flyer in the movie that says Chris Cole and Band playing. So he stalks Emily. Back to Seattle because he knew where she was. Of course, I mean, but can maybe you blame I'll, him? Maybe, maybe we'll run into her. She was great. You know, yeah, she left to Seattle to start Starbucks. She she <laughs> got the she got she started Starbucks and she has this coffee shop. He was kind of creeping on her in the window, and then he put mm. up these flyers probably right next to her coffee shop oh, so she yeah. could see it. Sure. You know that that was yeah. there, and he sings this total the Verve Pipe song. It's straight up by them. It's a great song, colorful. I man. know I can be. It's a colorful. good song, and <laughs> you know, after inventing new metal, he sort of invents grunge at the same yeah, time. Totally invented grunge, he's, at least, a, or at least the grunge pioneer. look. At least the grunge look. He had the short, long hair, if that makes any sense. The short, at all. long hair, sure. He somewhere he took the ponytail yeah. and just took the scissors to the ponytail straight across. <laughs> he had that. He's got Tim Oliphant back in his band. Yep. They they reconnected. They're Tim gonna Hole and a Half. They're going to fully flush out Hole and a Half. Which I still think I'd love to hear that song yeah. someday. But you know, what do you think of this band? Were they good? Uh, yeah, I would I would listen to that band. I, I thought they were pretty good. He's playing I, in this coffee yeah. shop. I liked that he walked off at the end of the song. I was going to ask you, what do you think of that move? It's like it's kind of baller because like maybe he was done singing. Usually, but like you still stand up there with your band and like now. dance around or like, you know, nod your head to it, like, you know, groove with it. But like, it was kind of like awesome that he walked off and the band kept playing and eventually they'll fade out. Like it was kind of, it was kind of kick ass. I the, think the first time I saw this movie after hearing Matt's comment about what happened to his ex-wife, I got to tell you, I thought that Jennifer Aniston was going to be with Timothy, Ol- Timothy Oliphant ah, because it would yes. have been fitting. It plays the story yeah. because he married his best friend. He said everything, oh, she married everything kind friend. of mirrored itself in this movie. At, there was the so end. many mirrors yeah. of everything. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that would have been an interesting I never way. Thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to get in the band together if that was the case. No, no, but I actually would have liked that ending because it would have shown like it wasn't worth it to be in your, in your dream band and all this stuff. But, it really wasn't worth it. But I, and, I'm going to poke holes in your story there because she moved to Seattle. Oliphant was still in Pittsburgh. I believe Oliphant only moved to Seattle once. I guess Wahlberg once they was got already together. there. They didn't really explain it, but that would yeah. make sense. Unless if she went back to her hometown, then for sure. 
I mean, unless he's been there and he just didn't tell him. Yeah, he's maybe. There, you know? maybe. Maybe he invented grunge, not Walmart. <laughs> well, because I felt like, you know, they had some type of vibe going on. Yeah. It was, you know, even though she didn't want to stay with the talent or she wanted to stay with the talent. But I thought that would have been an interesting ending. But I was yeah. surprised that she took him back. I mean, the implication is that she takes him back. Mm. We don't know. Maybe she's married for all we I'm know. Not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I think it's true love. I t- yeah, I'm they, totally, they belong together. I'm totally not surprised. It's it's a better ending yeah. that way. It's a better ending. But do you what do you think happens to them after the movie? You think they stay together? You think yeah. he, he I think becomes it's true famous? Love. Like what I, do you I think? think? It's, yeah, I think he becomes a moderate local success, or at the very least, he's fulfilled in life for having given it a shot. He get, he got his he got his chance he and succeeded. He's got a leg up because people know who he is. That's true. You know, he's got the leg up. Chris Cole. Oh, look at this guy, this, this steel, steel dragon singer. He's doing his own thing now. This is, this is cool. Like it, people would want to check it out. Well, the interesting thing about the movie behind the scenes is in the Judas Priest actual history, the guy who, who, who came into that band, I think is like, he's not in music anymore. From what I understand, he's managing like a restaurant or he has some bar, but it's like famous. So Mm -hmm. I think people know who he is and he's got success in life because of that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But, you know, I thought the ending was pretty good. It was a fitting way to end the movie and it was at least like an open-ended sort of happy ending. But the movie itself is sort of like a collection of scenes and good music. Yeah. It's not going to wow you, but it's just an entertaining movie. So what do you think? Does it hold up? Yeah. The original movie plus like the transitions, there's a lot of like super famous bands and, and, um, and songs layered in all from the 80s like you got your Bon Jovi you're talking heads all mixed in ACDC like transitions from one scene to the next so like the whole movie is just hitting you with good music after good music after good music and that by itself like paints a very enjoyable movie and a rewatchable movie yeah and it totally holds up yeah I'd watch it again tomorrow sure if you if you had to give it a rating out of 10 what would you give it this is a 9 out of 10 for me now I understand that like for the earth of movies (laughs) It's earth. not a nine out of ten. Like it's not an Academy Award winner. I know not everyone loves this movie, but for me personally, and I know you too. Yeah. Like it doesn't get much better than this as far as rewatchability and just just overall enjoyment. We talked recently um, with our friend of the pod, Julio, about like how an impossible task it would be to like make a top five list or a top ten list of your of your you favorite movies. Genres. Like- yeah. So like, what do you do? Like, like do you put? Like, I love Quentin Tarantino movies. Like, do I put, like, five Quentin Tarantino movies, or do I only put one, and do I put a Christopher Nolan movie? And am I allowed to put Deuce Bigelow 2 in the top five? (laughs) Like, because I I know it's not, it's, 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 it doesn't have, you know, esteem of the other movies, but I I love it. It has a lot of rewatchability. Yes, just like this movie. It's like, is this movie in the top five? I've seen it more than most any other movie, but I don't know. I think I think we're gonna need to do some type of bonus episode on on maybe categories of favorite movies yeah. because I don't even know that you can put comedies in like the list yeah. because do comedies it's like can, its own thing yeah, yeah. like how I do you put you a comedy in with The Departed right yeah I mean I guess you could do overall but we have to break this down at some point in the future yeah. I think it's a good it's a good topic for us yeah. because there's definitely genre lists and then there's maybe an overall list. And if you ask me like, what is the best technical movie? Like on a filmmaking scale, this obviously is not on that list, but from an overall, did I enjoy it? And can I rewatch it every single year? Absolutely. This movie's on that list. And Mm. I, and I would say it's one of my favorite rewatchable movies because of the music, because of the story, it's easy to watch. It's sort of like, 
I don't know, it's like a popcorn film, right? It's like the equivalent of that. It's just something that you enjoy watching. And and I if you haven't seen this movie, I know we ruined the hell out of it for you, but you should watch it. It's it's an entertaining movie, and it's, I recommend everybody yeah, check it out. It's it's it's, a, it's an hour forty. It breezes by. It's 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 very quick and easy. Listen, watch and listen. Look, I could gush about this thing all day, but I'm just gonna have to stop there because I could go on for two more hours. That'll do it for us for this week. <laughs> Six hours of you guys hearing us gush about Rockstar and Mark Wahlberg. As the sun rises. As the sun rises. Uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for our next episode, we'll be back on Thursday, March 25th. Our website is thelastrowpodcast.com. Send us an email. Thanks to everybody that sent some in. Follow us on Twitter at thelastrowpod, Facebook.com/slash/thelastrowpod, Instagram at thelastrowpod. We're going to post a bunch of stuff about this movie. We're going to try to do a little bit more so you know what the context is to some of the stuff that we're talking about. And on that note, we'll see you guys on the 25th. We'll see you. I gotta go take a piss by the way <laughs> I'm gonna take a piss off you go